You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? What is up? You're listening to Locked On NBA Draft. This is your host, Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. I have a special, special guest. I'm looking forward to this interview because I've been a fan. I spoke to her off air and I said I was apologize for being such a big fan. But before I get started, I wanted to thank each and every listener for making Locked On NBA Draft their first listen of the day. And also, this episode is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. And now, if you're wondering who my guest is, it is none other than Mirren Fader, the author of the book Giannis, The Improbable Rise of an NBA MVP. She has done an excellent job. I first became familiar with her work. It was a story you wrote on LaMelo Ball. So that was what, is that three years ago now? Yeah, yeah, 2018 and then 2019. Because you went to Australia, right? To cover Yeah. Him? Yeah. So, so 2019 was Australia. 2018 was Lithuania. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. Time flies. And I actually had just left Australia. And then because I went to the game where he played against RJ Hampton. And then maybe like a week later, your article came out. So we were at the same game. And OK. Wow. Yeah. If I, I stayed at the hotel right across from the arena and I was living in China at the time. And so. I consider myself a guy that loves geography and I, I think I'm like really good at it. I just didn't realize that Beijing and Oakland, how you pronounce it, were like, it was like a 19 hour flight. I could have went home <laughs> to Dallas for the same amount of time. So I was knocked out <laughs> on my flight. Yeah, that was, that was, that was a long flight. So anyway, well, I'm, I'm here to talk about your, your book on Giannis. I, I thought the timing was just impeccable. I know it probably wasn't planned out for the book to come out weeks after winning an NBA championship. But before we get into that, just tell me, how did you get started on this project with Giannis? Yeah, I used to work at Bleacher Report and I did a story on Giannis's youngest brother, Alex. And, you know, I really was only intending to profile Alex. I didn't even know Giannis was going to be there that day. But when I was in their home, Giannis just like happened to be there and it was just luck and circumstance. And, you know, the more time I spent with them throughout the day, the more I realized that like, okay, this story about Alex is so much about Giannis and you can't talk about Alex's development and potential overseas or in America without talking about Giannis. And, you know, the the story ended up revealing so much about Giannis that I guess I wasn't aware of, or a lot of people, you know, the more tender sides of him, you know, the role of big brother, son, I think a lot of the, the stories back then were like, look at this freak, look at this athletic guy. And it really didn't touch on the mental side of things with him. So, you know, after that came out, you know, I had been looking to do a book and I was like, what if I turn this into a book? And here we are. (laughs) It happened. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, how amazed were you when 
they won the NBA title and your, your book came out just was how many how was it like a month later within a month or something like yeah, that it was like yeah it was like three weeks or something I mean it was insane I was dying I mean throughout the playoffs you know they they kept winning and you know you never think like okay the Bucks are going to go to the finals like you never think that okay. let alone like they're going to win the championship right like so much of the Bucks history is about losing and struggle which I chronicle in the book so as this is happening you know this is the greatest gift to a writer you know timing you can't really prepare for the book was done you know, by April, early, earlier in that year. And I just became a Bucks fan. Like, I, you know, it's like rooting for them, rooting for the, the book, rooting for me. Um, but it was just like so exciting because people were so excited about Milwaukee. You know, mm-hmm. it was a dream come true for so many of them. And then I got to sort of live a dream simultaneously of, of a person that's wanted to be an author for so long. Yeah. So was it, life-changing for you or has it been? I think so. I mean, I'm still processing it, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's only been like two months or something or maybe more. Again, I've lost all track of time, but it definitely, it's made things easier for me in the sense of like, at least, you know, I'm always going to shoot my shot, like trying to profile top athletes or pitch things, but it definitely Mm -hmm. gives me more weight in my pitches to say like, Hey, I did this book. I would love to do this, you know? So I'm just thankful that, you know, hopefully it's going to help me create more stuff that I want to do. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's amazing. One, I mean, you're not only are you an an, an author, which is a a tough business to crack into, especially in sports, but you're a woman author. So it's kind of like you're a unicorn. (laughs) Yes. And, and then, I mean, you, you did such an excellent job and I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of the book. I, I bring it with me everywhere I go. I haven't been able to finish it because I've been so busy planning a wedding, but it's when I'm on the airplane. Priorities, <laughs> okay, put Giannis to the side. <laughs> but it, it's such a, a good book. And that's why I wanted to have you on. And I just wanted to thank you for coming on. I mean, I know that you're in the middle of like this life-changing event and you still responded to my direct message. So I I really appreciate you for that. My next question is, how many people did you have to interview? It seems like there's so, I can't even keep up with all the different moving parts in the story. It it has to be in the hundreds. It's 221 total people. And I couldn't keep up with it too, because literally like not only was it 221 people, but it was also a lot of them were in Greek. Mm -hmm. So I needed a translator, which is a total different experience. You know, me asking a question to a translator, obviously over Zoom for most of it because of the pandemic. And then the translator asked, telling them, and then they talk, and then the translator relaying it back to me. I mean, it was just like hours and hours and hours with like hundreds of people. And, you know, for the 221 that I got, I probably reached out to 400. So that's how many people said no. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it it was a sincere effort to get as many people as possible. And um, I have a closet over, I have like one small closet and it's just like filled with binders of all the interviews. There was just so many people. So you didn't get a chance to go to Greece. You did all of it on Zoom. No. Yeah. I had to do all of it on Zoom. I got the deal March, 2020 and it was due March, 2021. And so I was going to go to Greece and then I had to cancel my trip, which like really sucks. So I'm like, so jealous that you're going to be traveling because 
I was really looking forward to being there, but it's really hard because as you know, in the book, like I tried to recreate Sepolia, which is this neighborhood that he's from and doing that while not being on the ground was very, very hard. And so I had to hire a researcher on the ground and he would send me photos and videos. And that's why I had to talk to so many people as well, because it's like, they're there. I want to get a sense of what it looks like, what it smells Mm -hmm. like, all of that. And I, I, I think what helps me visualize the book even better is because I've been to Greece. I had a crazy story. I give the brief story. I, I was living in Istanbul and uh, I had some issues with my visa. I leave the country. I come back to Istanbul and they tell me you can't enter. And I'm like, and I had to have someone translate. And they said, I filled out the wrong paperwork. I can't enter back to get my stuff for either five years or 60 months. So they threw me in like this airport jail. <laughs> like so while I'm in this airport jail luckily enough they did not think I was a threat so they let me bring my phone in there and I text my brother and I said hey I need you to book me a flight to Greece it's the nearest country it was only like 55 euros and I, all I had to show the people at the airport was I'm not going to enter Turkey that I'm leaving so I ended up having to spend three weeks, I guess you can say I was stranded in Greece until I got all the paperwork taken care of. So I'm on a strict budget. So I I was living (laughs) in a very um, modest area. I think my my hotel was like nine euros a day. And so I ended up staying there. I only had like the clothes that I packed for three days. So um and I mean, just because where my hotel was at, I saw like the non-touristy part of, of Greece. So I could visualize how, how they were living because I felt like I lived that life for about three weeks. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's Oh my God, yeah. And I think that disparity in wealth, like people don't really realize with Greece, right? It's known for all these like gorgeous islands and fancy. And there's a lot of people like really struggling in Greece. Oh, yeah. I, I always say that Greece is either beautiful or graffiti. Like there's no Very in between. It's, you know, you got your blue waters and, and you know, you got Santorini. And then outside of that, it, it's pretty rough. But the people were, were nice. And luckily, the English was was pretty easy for me to, to get by. All right. I have so many questions, but when we return, this is the main part of the the interview. I want to talk to Marin about Giannis's adjustment to the NBA and the struggles as an international player coming into the NBA as a rookie. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now literally impossible for your local chain and auto parts store to carry all the parts that your car needs. So, I mean, why would you even endure or go through the pointless and intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders parts on their computer when you actually have access to rockauto.com at home or in your own pocket. You can save time and money when you're using Rock Auto. There's no need to spend 30, 50, and even 100% more on the same parts from a chain store or car dealership because you can get it at rockauto.com. It is a family business that has been serving do-it-yourselfers for the last 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you want or need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So go explore their easy-to-use website and find the solution for your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. 
See all the parts that are available for your car or truck, right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. BetOnline.ag is back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So please head to the new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today where you can receive 50% off your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Please use the promo code locked on to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline. It's the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online is where the game starts. All right. Thanks again for listening to Locked On NBA Draft. Thank you for making Locked On NBA Draft your first listen of the day. I have a special guest, Marin Fader, who has wrote my favorite book right now. It is the story about Giannis. It is called Giannis, The Improbable Rise of an NBA MVP. And it's still crazy to me. I mean, I, I knew his story from when I first heard about him, and I want to say like 2013. And even now, just seeing it in real time is has been crazy. And even though it doesn't seem like that long ago, just looking at how he looks now compared to when he was a rookie in that first interview I saw on, on Draft Express. And one of the things that really stood out to me about your book was you really did an excellent job of breaking down the difficulties that he had adjusting to the NBA life. And a lot of times when, I mean, even as an American kid, it's an adjustment going from being a 19 year old to now you're in this grown man's world. Your teammates may be a little older. You have all this money. You actually have a lot of free time. A lot of people don't realize how much free time NBA players have. So tell me about Giannis's adjustment as not only was he, a rookie, not only was he going to a new country, but he was going from like the most contrasting lifestyles from being dirt, dirt poor to having money. Can you just give a brief insight on his, just his rookie struggles? There were so many struggles, you know, I think people think, oh, now all of a sudden you're making a million dollars. It's this seamless transition, but he still felt, you know, insecure about things like food. So, you know, he's used to not having food his whole life. So once he's finally in a space where he has all the food he could ever dream of, he's so afraid of it being gone that he starts like hoarding food from the practice facility, you know, back home, or, you know, he's the only player on the team that um, didn't set up direct deposit. He doesn't trust that the money's going to come. He has to see it in his hands in paper. Um, he's so afraid of spending money. He feels so guilty that he has this new lifestyle that it, it just, the guilt really just, weighs on him. And, you know, lastly, well, there's two more things. I mean, language, he knew English enough to get by, but there's so many complicated phrases and things in basketball. So it was like, everything was going a million miles a minute. And he's just trying to understand what people are saying. And, 
you know, finally he was so homesick that, you know, I found in my book reporting that he said to his family, if you guys can't come here, you know, and get the proper visas, then I'm leaving the NBA and I'm going home. And I, I don't think people realize how hard that was for him because Giannis, you know, as we both remember, was framed as this like really happy-go-lucky guy. Oh my God, look, I'm tasting smoothies. Everything is so funny and happy, but like he was deeply lonely. Yeah. And I, I can imagine that just because I've had a chance to live overseas as an American and I was doing it as an adult and it wasn't by myself. Well, his brother was there for, I think he was there his, a lot of the times, but I mean, it's, I was I was more prepared than he was because it wasn't like he was this guy that you were reading about for five years. Not like Luka Doncic, where you knew he was projected to be an NBA player at this time. Giannis went from out of nowhere to like literally a millionaire within within months. But one of the things I left I loved about the book was how funny Giannis is, even though like you saw the I mean, you described how serious the situation was with him. And maybe just how naive he was. And some of his quotes were hilarious, like the part where he was, you know, about the buffet, where he didn't <laughs> understand what a buffet was. And he was, like you said, hoarding food or um, him running down the street and not having a coat. Right. How did his teammates respond to this, this skinny? And I mean, he's he's like in this weird situation because he is. He's a black man, but he's a European black man, but he's also kind of without an identity, which I thought you did a good job describing in the book. Can you tell me about how the cultural adjustment was for him and relating to his teammates? Yeah, I mean, you know, Giannis was accustomed to racism growing up in a majority white country such as Greece that doesn't offer birthright citizenship. So he has that background, but he doesn't quite know yet how racism manifests itself in America. So you not only get drafted and come to America, but you're coming to Milwaukee, which is one of the most segregated places in America. Mm -hmm. And there's super high rates of incarceration of black men. So he's getting this education off the court about identity and race and politics, but also he's literally trying to do things like fill his apartment and his teammates are educating him on like what things you need to buy, what sheets, you know, um, here's how you spend your money. And, you know, they embraced him. They wanted to teach him. They wanted to mentor him. They, they loved his attitude, how hard he would work. He thought it was like an honor to get donuts for teammates at 6 a.m. Like he thought it was a great honor being bestowed on him to do that. Um, so I think they found him endearing. I think they thought he had a lot of potential. It just wasn't quite there yet. And they knew that there were so many things that he was struggling to grasp. So I think that they were so kind to him in helping him um, because it is really hard when you're not from the country. Like it, yep. it just, there's a whole, there's so many other things that you're learning for the first time and everything was moving so quickly for him. On top of, the survivor's remorse that he was going through. And I, I thought, you know, when LeBron had that, I guess he executive produced that show, they talked about it and they described it well, but they described it from the perspective of an American kid. Mm -hmm. Giannis's was even crazier. Um, the fact that he, you know, you described in the book that his brother wanted a PlayStation mm -hmm. and it was kind of like, we'll never be able to afford that. And then he also, you also mentioned that he had never slept in a bed by himself. 
And during the, the draft process, when he came to the States, they had booked the two hotel rooms for him and his brother. And he felt lonely, the fact that, and they slept in the bed together. It's little things like that as, as an American, you know, we have, you know, people that are less fortunate here, but that's a different level of poverty. And then when he was able to afford the PlayStation, he took it back because he felt, right. he felt guilty. Uh, before we go on to the next uh, segment, one of the funniest things that I remember reading in the book was the Nick Van Exel piece. <laughs> yeah. And so I know Nick, um, Nick, I consider Nick a friend. And, and you talk about like not knowing, you know, just the adjustment and how Giannis comes back to practice one day. It's like, I know you, I know you, <laughs> Nick the quick. And you forget that, you know, like we think everybody has a TV. We think everybody has access to YouTube. And for Giannis, the, the part that really stood out was he had to pay to go to like an internet cafe. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they had TV to watch cable. So he only knew the superstars that he saw on YouTube from like Durant, LeBron. Can you like give details of just like some of the other funny parts of his personality that it was unintentionally funny, but just kind of, you know, just kind of made you laugh? I mean, there's so many, right? Because you could just hear him saying it in his voice that we all come to know now, right? Um, I mean, I love that, like, he was obsessed with Allen Iverson and he tells his mom, like, I need to have braids like Allen Iverson. She's like, who's Allen Iverson, you know? Or like, you know, people on the court saying, like, you play like Dr. J. And he's like, who's Dr. J? Um, I, I just think there's these funny moments of, of like, real earnestness like like even him the time where he was saying in the um the room with some bucks staffers I'm gonna I'm gonna be here for 20 years I'm gonna play my whole life here or something like you guys are gonna get sick of me I'm gonna be the LeBron James of Greece like I just think his openness to declare his desires um you know which I feel like a lot a lot of people with lofty dreams and goals would probably be really quiet about them the fact that he said them out loud was just so, so him, so funny. And so you had no choice, but to respect it or like looking up black Friday deals. That was, that was my favorite. <laughs> Giannis is one of us, you know, like, yeah. and, his, and his coach is like, you don't need to do that. Giannis, you make a million dollars. And he's like, I will never change. <laughs> and I just think, you know, he, it's so genuine. Like you can't, yep. you can't take out somebody's upbringing, even though their circumstances change. Yep. So that that kind of leads to my next segment. When we return, I want to talk to Marin about Giannis's mentality. As I mentioned earlier, this episode of Locked on NBA Draft is brought to you by McDonald's, which has been proudly serving communities since 1965. And McDonald's has always been more than just a place where you can get tasty and affordable food. It is a place where friends and family can come and reconnect a place where classmates can meet up for a study group knowing that they'll have dependable Wi-Fi, which I doubt they had in 1965, but also endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, McDonald's is a place where teammates, competitors, the home team or away team can come and recharge. It's a place where you can always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. I live in Dallas, Texas, and whenever I make that long trip up I-35, there's this McDonald's right in the middle of the Kansas Turnpike that I always stop at. 
and get a McGriddle or a cheeseburger. But one of the things that I love most about McDonald's is I have an addiction to their cookies. One time I ordered 18 in one time. So you can head to your local McDonald's where you can refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say maybe like a locked on NBA draft watch party at McDonald's in late June? And the reason why is because I'm loving it. All right. You are listening to Locked on NBA Draft. You got Marin Fader. This interview has, I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I wish we had more time. I could probably go on for an hour, but I have to respect her time. She is a New York Times. Are you like a, a best-selling author now? I guess that's what they're calling it. So I know she's, <laughs> she's busy. So I'm just thankful for this opportunity. Now, this is the part that has really inspired me. And it's Giannis's confidence. And you detailed in the book that he had it at a, a young age. It's a quote that I actually put on my Facebook. I can't remember it word for word, but it was a quote where he talked about his brothers. And he said, the only thing that separates me from anyone else is my stubbornness. If I'm stubborn, then, you know, you, you, you can't outwork me because of how stubborn I am. I'm, I'm misquoting it there. Give us some insight on just his mentality and like this inner drive and confidence, because I feel like you can't teach what he has. No, I think there's two players that have the same God given skill set, And one of them is not playing right now. He's holding out. And the other is, an, you know, two time MVP, NBA champion. And I think the difference between the two is, between the ears, the confidence, the mindset, one is not afraid to fail and the other is kind of kind of shies away from, from the big moment. Just give us like some details about just his, his mindset and how differently he approaches not only basketball, but life. Yeah. I mean, I think there's two things like number one, for sure, the stubbornness that you brought up. Like, I think at least myself, you know, I've been programmed to think that stubborn was a bad quality, but right. stubborn is an amazing quality, right? It's the, it's, it means you're not going to give up no matter what happens to you. It means that no matter what obstacles in front of you, like you just like refuse to stop. And that's the word that they all, the family members all use about Giannis and the one he uses himself. The second quote that I really found interesting was Giannis telling his brothers, you know, it's human nature for the mind to relax, but you can't let it take over. You have to snap back. And I think like we live in this culture where like, you know, and I'm not preaching hustle culture or anything like that, but there is this idea of like relaxing and, um, being really famous off the court. Giannis is very old school in the sense he's like, no, it's grind time 24 seven. You can't relax. And I think it's so crucial that he's not talking about physically. He's talking about the mind mm -hmm. mentally. And I think his whole like first half of his career so far, so many people just identify the athleticism and that's what they praise. But I think what makes him so unique and, um, talenting talented is his ability to endure you could say that off the court on the court but that that comes from a strong mental toughness and a will that comes from this really difficult upbringing that he had so what separates Giannis is the ability to be mentally strong and keep pushing because you'll notice he's he looks exhausted in games like he mm -hmm. literally looks so gassed all the time and I think it's because obviously he's giving everything but 
mentally, it doesn't matter how gassed he is, he's going to find a way. And I just think that is really what separates people. And I know I'm rambling, but the last thing I'll say to your earlier point about confidence, I think is so important because even that rookie year, when he was totally getting his ass handed to him, he would say things to people around him, like next year, I'm going to average 15 and 10, you know, next year, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. There was always like this confidence in him Mm -hmm. that maybe it wasn't even accurate at the time, but he believed in himself. Yeah, it manifested the point where he said that he's going to have his own shoe like Kevin Durant. Right, exactly. And he, he did it. I mean, this book is so it, it's so inspiring to me because I've always admired Giannis from afar. One of my good friends was his teammate in, in Milwaukee's rookie year. And he said, like, this guy is, is, is different. And then I went to a I live in Dallas. I went to a Mavs game probably like two or three years ago. And I got there early about I have a Mavs media pass. I can get there about 530 and I could sit court. Well, when we used to be able to just sit courtside before the The games, (laughs) you can reach out and have conversations. And what I was amazed at was his pregame workout routine looks exactly like the game. And you covered it in the book. They're hitting him with the pads. He's like starting off at half court, he's driving and they're just literally beating him up. And I remember recording it on my phone. Like, how is he going to have enough energy to finish this game? Because he just did an intense workout with three coaches. Right. And ever since then, yeah, yeah, I just was like, okay, this guy is, is just totally, totally wired different. And the most impressive thing about Giannis to me is, I mean, we've, talked about how poor he grew up like he used to sing Christmas carols for for money and his English probably was perfected not necessarily perfected but his English was good because he was singing Christmas carols in English for money and how they used to walk like was it like 10 miles round trip sometimes just to go to practice and the fact that he made it to the NBA and he still plays and hustles and works as if he does not know when that next check is coming how much of that do you relate to just the the immigrant you know just being you know the the children of of you know migrants and his parents and 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 what is it that makes you feel like or what why do you think he hasn't relaxed yeah that's such a good question because I think that's the core of his essence right there. Out of all the things that make up him, it's it's that they're tied. It's not just that he's mentally tough. It's because of this, this upbringing in his parents and being an immigrant. And I think Josh Oppenheimer had the best quote in the book, the, the Bucks assistant coach. He was like, Giannis is afraid of losing it all. And, and that's why he never stops. And it's the dream that Giannis and his brothers have all the time and say to themselves, what if we woke up and we're back to where we started? Mm -hmm. And I think it's because, I mean, this has to do with a lot of like ridiculous narratives we have here in America about the American dream and how, you know, rags to riches. And, you know, once you make it, it's fine and it's great. And the truth is, it's not fine. It's not great. And you can't, um, you could have millions of dollars and still feel like the child that didn't have a euro. You know, and I think a lot of people don't realize that. Yes, you're aware that you have money now. You're aware that it's okay. But there's like a real trauma internally that won't give that up. And I think that that's a biological response to the stuff that's happened. And I think what he's done 
is so amazing because like, if that was me, I would be so angry and so bitter all the time about mm-hmm. what I went through. And I think he, he just, he takes it as this is this character building thing that I've gone through that I'm gonna, you know, take it with me. And I, I do think that even if he wanted to get rid of that, he can't like, it's just, yeah. in him. It's just in and, him. And it's in him, especially like as a child of immigrants, like, um, that's been drilled into him since birth. Like he can't like his parents will always say you must work hard. Like that will never stop no matter how rich he is. So the, the parenting continues as, as child becomes adult. Yep. The craziest thing to me is he's scared to lose it all. So the same guy that is scared to lose it all, or he, he seems like he's scared to lose it all. He works is the same guy that is not afraid of anything. If that makes sense. I know. I was thinking about that as I was writing this. It's, I, I can't, I guess fear is different for him, right? Like, because maybe he doesn't call it fear. Maybe it's more just the things that drive him. It's not fear. Like, oh, I'm afraid. I'm scared. I, I'm, you know, this, this like panic. It, I guess it's more just like, I don't want to lose this. My desire is so great to do this because of all these things, that's what pushes me forward. And I, I do think his dad's death played into this a lot. Like when his dad mm. died, that really changed things for him. Like what is there to fear now, now that he's gone, that was the, you know, one another big fear. So I, I just think what's happening is like, Giannis is growing up as we all have. And when you get to your late twenties, you start, you know, there's those existential, like, <laughs> what made me here? How, what have I done so far? Where am I going? And I think he's in the midst of all of that. And he's not even in his late twenties. I, I know. What do we call <laughs> He's 26. That's like, yeah. they like sort of inching up, but you know, basketball years, human years, totally different. Well, I really, really appreciate you coming on. I mean, I could go on forever, but I don't want to give the book away. I want everyone to go out and, and, and buy the book. Where can the audience find you and, and some of your work? Yeah. Well, first, I just want to thank you for having me. Like this was just so fun. And I just appreciate you being so thoughtful with your questions. And now you got me wanting to travel again. So I'm a little jealous. Um, But everyone can find me just on my Twitter at uh, Mirren Fader. Um, Yeah, I I worked so hard on my website, you guys, please like look at it, MirrenFader.com. And you can find the book anywhere. And uh, in March, 2022, we have the paperback coming out, which has a new epilogue that I had to write because the Bucks win and won a championship. So um, yeah. That was my, that was one of my <laughs> next questions. <laughs> Cause I know it's like, it's, I mean, the timing was perfect, but I'm like, there right. has to be more to it covering the playoff run. And, and before I head out, I just wanted to, again, thank you. I, um, I guess I'll make it official here. So I'm ready to move to to Europe for this basketball season to scout. And it's been my dream to find like the next Giannis. I know that's like finding a needle in in, in the haystack, but I'm going to take the gamble and bet on myself and I'm giving myself this crazy tight budget to live off of where I'll be traveling through train and just trying to figure it out, going to all these different basketball tournaments. And so the book was perfect timing for me because I'm seeing how, you know, a scout can change the trajectory of really 
to be yeah. honest with you, the world in a sense, because yeah. it's it's deeper than basketball with Giannis. It's I mean, you in your book you cover just you know some of the racism in Greece, and we you cover like how he was undocumented, and then right when he started to bubble as an NBA prospect, Greece recognized him. And I mean, it's like, there's so many different factors. If, you know, maybe he does go to Spain, he may not be where he's at today. And so um, it really inspired me, especially Giannis's mentality of, you know, you can do it. If there's something that you want to do, claim it. Don't be afraid. If, if you want to be the best basketball player, the best dentist, Giannis showed me that, you know, you don't have to be He's not necessarily bragging, but you don't have to silence, you know, your your goals and your dreams. So um, it was it was definitely big for me because, like I said, I'm planning to, to live overseas and just seeing Giannis's confidence. It's like, you know, if I applied that same mentality and confidence in whatever I'm doing, I'm, I'm going to be successful. So thank you for highlighting that part about Giannis. And again, thank you for coming on. Once again, this is Raphael Barlow, NBA Draft Junkies, Mirren Fader. Where can they reach you at on social media? Just Mirren Fader. I made it so simple for people. (laughs) (laughs) M-I-R-I-N-F-A-D-E-R. She has great work. Thank you again for coming on. This is Raphael, NBA Draft Junkies, and we are out.